Hey, this is Mark A. Altman of the 430 Movie. I'm here with Steve Melching, Darren Dockerman, Ashley Miller. You know, and if you want to know what Ashley's pick out of the box is, you owe it to yourself to watch the 430 Movie live. You should see the expressions. The live only on way tape. to understand the kinds of faces we're making when Ashley does Wednesday right. is to watch us on Electric Now. It's one thing to hear us, but <laughs> you can't see the expressions on our face. You can't hear disbelief. Yeah. Coming right. soon, our new podcast, Ashley Does Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. <laughs> hey, this is Mark A. Altman. From Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a James Bond fan, you want to pick up my new book, Nobody Does It Better, the complete uncensored oral history of James Bond and Spy Mania. It's a hefty tome, and it's available now wherever you purchase books, audiobooks, and digital. Check it out, and I will renew your license to kill personally. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. Yes, we are. <laughs> I miss my cue. You, you had one job. I know, to, get, to hit the, the cue. You want, you want, you, you, let's, here we go again. All Hi, right. this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. We are the Inglorious, Inglorious Trexperts. Tre- oh, God, early. <laughs> Damn, you think we've been doing this long time. enough? Okay. Hi, Hi I'm Mark A. Altman. And I'm Darren Docterman, <laughs> and we are... The Inglorious Trexperts. Fantastic. <laughs> that was lovely. Okay, welcome to another episode of our show where we talk about the all things Star Trek. And uh, joining us once again is special guest Ashley E. Miller. You know him as the uh, writer of such movies as Thor and X-Men First Class. He was a uh, producer on such, uh, writer producer on such shows as Lore and um, Black Sails, Fringe, and Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. He's also a good friend of Jessica von Puttermaker. Right. And, and, uh, and Meredith Burgess. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith Burgess. Welcome back, Ashley. We had a bizarre episode a couple of weeks ago where we- Is um, that the one where you smelled bread and then you passed out or? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like recording these episodes on Friday because it's Bagel Friday here and I, you know, I can't get a bagel on a Tuesday. They, they only Except have bagels on, on Friday. Right. We should never do Tuesdays. Yeah. We should only do Fridays so I can have a bagel. What are the odds of that? I don't know. Because I'm, I'm hungry now. I'm certain they're fairly large. Anyway. Bothered, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. You know, I was about I'm to introduce to our episode. Yes, our episode. This episode. This <laughs> um, a few episodes ago, uh, we did uh, The Essential Picard uh, in honor of the uh, upcoming uh, Picard TV series. We did 20 minutes of Picard uh, and 40 minutes of uh, goofing around. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much that's what it turned out to be. And uh, so uh, we, we went amongst that joking around, we talked about we have to do a Kirk, essential Kirk, right? Yes. Um, so here here it is. No. Yes. Yes. No. no. Yes. No. Yes. I love Italian. And so do you. Yes. So here, here, come, now, here it is Kirk's now, essence. <laughs> we are going to do the essential Kirk now. There's not a Kirk TV series coming out as far as we know. No. Um, although it would be nice if there was one. Sure. How great would it be to see Shatner play that role one more time? It would. It's not going to happen. Well, it's you not know, I'd happen. rather it not happen than be done improperly. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to see Bill, you know, in, in, capable, in capable hands. Um, you know, but I, I think that, you know, that character is so rich that, you know, there, there's, there's more layers to explore, particularly, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, the Wild Bunch was such a great movie about the end of the old West and people who would outlive their quote unquote usefulness. And you have, you know, Bill Holden and, you know, not quite at the end of his career, but, you know, as a gunslinger, as a, you know, and Ernest Borgnine and this, this, you know, Robert Ryan, this really amazing group of people. And I'd love to see... You know, Kirk approach with that kind one of reverence. One last adventure. One last, one last adventure. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. And it doesn't have to be, you know, on the bridge of the Enterprise. In fact, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. Because, you know, an 88-year-old man would not be captain of the Enterprise. Right. It should be like Captain Kirk in a retirement community. And then one day when he's out playing golf, he realizes that his neighbor is Khan Noonien Singh. <laughs> Coming soon to CBS All Access. <laughs> It's con game. 
God. Um, <laughs> you know, if Ricardo was alive, that would be pretty funny. On uh, September 12th, Kanuni and Singh knocked on the door of uh, Admiral James Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's the slob? Uh, they both can be. That's that's, that's right. what's so great about because you know Khan brought the world order. You know, Kirk Kirk is probably the slob, and Khan is the neat freak. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, that would be hilarious. Yeah, but but Kirk never goes near the microwave because he's afraid Khan's gonna throw him in it. Oh my god, we're doing it again. We're completely off the rails. That was Linguini. Now it's garbage. <laughs> oh my god you know and i just see you know con coming home to the apartment is a little tie hanging on uh-huh. the door it's like don't come in oh i got i'm with the girl <laughs> god i want to watch the show so bad yeah <laughs> the con <Yeah>. chronicles <laughs> um see that's that's the spinoff we all want to see that's right. <laughs> no, I kind of would like to see a, la- a final Kirk adventure. I, I really, I, I just feel like, you know, Generations wasn't the appropriate. It's 25 years ago. Uh, God, it was 25, 25 years ago. Years. Yes. That was not the appropriate send-off for ca- no. a character as iconic and as as, as beloved as, as uh, Captain James T. Kirk. Well, a- a- as, we, as we agreed when we had Brandon Braga on the show, uh, it wasn't all that it was supposed to be. No, I mean, and what was his quote? Uh, he should have died on the bridge, not under a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I just think, you know, Captain Kirk is not a supporting character, you know, and he's a supporting character in that movie, right. um, which is the next generation movie. The thing is, yeah. it's it's Captain Kirk who should have crashed the saucer section sure. oh, yeah, and totally. died during it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, he was Saving too old to be else. driving. He refused yeah. to get glasses. Right. <laughs> failed his test. The DMV. He was telling looking at his texts right. and wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and oh. it's just really the missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Yeah, but fortunately, there were so many, many great opportunities uh, to uh, understand who and what uh, this character is. Indeed. And for those of you who maybe aren't uh, as well acquainted with the original show, um, we're going to give you the essential. Kirk. Now, the essential Kirk, again, is not the best Kirk episodes. It's the episodes which we feel best illuminate why we love this character, right. why this character is so compelling. So I'm going to start. None of us know what we're going to pick. Nope. In fact, I don't know what I'm going to pick right now. Uh, Ashley, what's your first pick for um, the essential Kirk? Balance of Terror. I wish I were in a long sea voyage somewhere. Not too much deck tennis, no frantic dancing, and no responsibility. Why me? I look around that bridge. I see the men waiting for me to make the next move. And Bones? What if I'm wrong? Captain Earl. I don't really expect an answer. But I've got one. Something I seldom say to a customer, Jim. In this galaxy, there's a mathematical probability of three million Earth-type planets. And in all of the universe, three million million galaxies like this. And in all of that, and perhaps more. Only one of each of us. Don't destroy the one named Kirk. Um, Mm -hmm. What's great about Balance of Terror is it shows us, it's really the first time that we get a sense of, of what a masterful uh, tactician and strategist Kirk is. Um, I think when we use phrases glibly like, what would Kirk do? You know, we're, we're thinking about the, the things that he showed us or first demonstrated in mm-hmm. Balance of Terror mm-hmm. as, a, as a commander that he thinks out of the box. He's a sorcerer, that Earth captain. Um, but it also shows us his humanity in a, in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, when the episode opens with him presiding over a, a wedding that results with this in a very tragic ending because of the uh, the, the fight with the with the Romulans, he feels it as a as a human being, 
Um, he feels it as a captain. And he shows so much dimension in that episode. Um, and the uh, the show is is wise enough to allow him to be human and vulnerable. Mm. He, like Achilles in his tent, sits in his room. He needs Dr. McCoy to come to him and, and give him one of the best speeches in the history of, of Star Trek. Right. Um, and then, you know, he picks himself up off the mat and he, he goes out there and, like, he kicks Mark Leonard's ass. Uh, but it's a, it's a truly... A terrific episode of Star Trek, and it's really one of my very favorite stories about James D. Kirk. Yeah, it's a great one. And uh, is that the one where he says, "Don't destroy the one named Kirk"? Kirk? Yes, and yeah. Balzatari. It's a, it's yeah, it, it, it's one of a, a many such scenes between uh, Kirk and McCoy. Uh, you know, McCoy is his is his sounding board. Mm-hmm. You know, it's his conscience, his Jiminy Cricket, exactly. And uh, it conscience really of the king. conscience of the of the captain. Um, it really shows what um, essential relationships are on the ship, and how Kirk, as a character, derives his strength from his crew and from his uh, trusted friends. And uh, yeah, it's it's really good. There it's a great go. choice. It's, it's look. It's it's a it's a marvelous episode, and I think it's also very biting in terms of being a condemnation of racism and xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when basically uh, um, Spock is accused of being uh, a spy, a, a spy colluding with the uh, the Romulans. And... I'm assuming you're congratulating Mr. Spock's on his ability to translate or uh, yeah, mm-hmm. decode. Yeah, what what does he say? He literally says there's no room for bigotry. Yeah, leave your bigotry in your quarters. There's no room for it here on the bridge. Yeah, which is which is great. And I think yeah. that's something that we've always um uh really responded admired. to in yeah. Star Trek and admired about Star Trek. You know, it it doesn't beat around the bush. I mean, you know, Captain, he will not tolerate that, you right. know. Um which is, you know, which is, which is, which is great. We, you know, there's a whole thing you tell, you know, with kids. It's like, you know, kids are being bullied. There are a lot of kids, you know, will they step up to defend somebody who's being bullied? And sometimes they don't want to become the target of the bully, so right. they, they they sit back and and um and and Kirk was always the guy who would step in, you right. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was something to really admire about that that character. I, I'm I'm ashamed to admit it. What's the name of that character? The help the uh, the. The, 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 the guy navigator. in Balance of Terror? Oh, boy. I don't remember it. You know, it's interesting. Every year we do the show, as we get older, how we start to forget. We start he's forgetting. Forget. <laughs> right? Like, no. when you mentioned Conscience of the King, I suddenly thought to myself, Kevin Riley. Right. Right. Why was he never in a movie? Yeah. Well, because yeah. he was crazy. Well, yeah, he was and crazy. And he was Irish. Yeah, he was Irish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that um, was Mr. Styles. Mr. Yeah. Styles. Styles. Yes, that Mr. Mr. Styles. That was Mr. Styles. Yeah, and uh, of course that's also a, a good. Uh, Mr. Styles learns an important lesson because Spock saves him in the auxiliary from the control, phaser control from room. The phaser control that's right. room, um, which so, we never saw again. <laughs> which we never saw again. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the, Kirk does some amazing things that unfortunately he kind of does again in a couple other right, episodes. Yeah. Um, but uh, for example, uh, you know, shutting, cutting the power to the ship so it looks like they're dead hey, in space. Yeah, uh, it's a good tactic. And we see it again, at and least again. a couple times. And again. But uh, no, but if it works, you stick with it. You know, it's his attack pattern, Sierra. If if the other if the enemy uh, combatants haven't seen every episode, it, it's fine. That's right. It's so interesting to me <laughs> that Bill Shatner, I don't think, has any idea why we have so much reverence for that character. He doesn't. He's written books. He's talked for, you know, the probably, you know, if you count up every time he's talked about Captain Kirk for hundreds of hours and yet could never understand the way we perceive that character. It's very odd because he doesn't like watching himself. That's right. And he's ne- he hasn't watched the show. He has never watched the show. Well, um certainly not all the way through. And it's my one wish that he could get a little taste of why we like it, why we love it, why it's it you know integrated itself into our personas, mm. um, because it's so it it's a it's an exemplar of how good people should act, and I think he doesn't he 
he's beginning to realize it a little now, I think, uh, as he's he's you know begun to sort of look back on his career and, and sort of embrace these things finally. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I I really wish he I really wish he was enough separated from his time on the show that he could watch it fresh. Maybe maybe that could happen someday. I don't know. I hope it could. Well, it's so interesting because he's a guy, you know, for a long time, he ran from Star Trek, yeah. you know, I mean, he wanted anything that would distance himself from, from Star Trek. I mean, you know, I think when you interviewed him about T.J. Hooker, you know, it's like he didn't want to talk about Star Trek. I'm playing T.J. Hooker. Right. I'm not, you know. It's um, a completely different character. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it, it is nice to have seen maybe in the last 10 years or something that he's really begun to embrace the character and appreciate I'm, he appreciate what it gave him right the stardom the money the the status but he never appreciated the character as being you know something I, I, worthwhile to be a fan of yeah you know like but why it resonates for those people books you know there were you Stevens he he certainly came up with the stories right yeah I mean he came up with with the concepts I think they should bring Kirk back to life it's only it's only recently that at least I've seen that he has been doing um I, I might have mentioned this before he has been doing autographs William Shatner Captain Kirk mm. so he's I think he's for the first time ever sort of embracing his connection with this character mm. um and that's really it was very surprising when I saw him doing that and it's interesting because you know, one of the things they talk about in television, you don't have a lot of time to prepare. You get scripts late. And so, you know, particularly in his case, a lot of who Bill Shatner was bled over into the character of sure. Captain Kirk. You know, another actor had played that role. I don't think it would have resonated for us the way it did. It was a unique blend of Bill Shatner and the character that makes that such an amazing character. Well, like like Roddenberry asked on the Inside Star Trek album, how much of uh, Captain Kirk is Bill Shatner and vice versa? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, you know, Shatner basically said, well, I mean, he, I, I would love to react the way that uh, Captain Kirk does. Um, I think he's 90% me and 10% something else. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. As Gene but, stewed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, and 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 it's true, but it's just so interesting because even, I mean, I've told these stories about when we we're doing Free Enterprise. I mean, just you know, which is just a love letter to Kirk and to Shatner, and um, you just you know can never understand the reverence. You know, yeah, he literally thought we were trying to cash in on the success of Star Trek. Didn't didn't at least at first feel like we genuinely could have this kind of effect because we were successful. We were making movies and TV. Yeah. You know, it's like how could we? feel this way about this character and about Star Trek and this, you know, and and it was only later they started to catch on You've about You've taken this role that I played for a couple of years as a lark and <laughs> made it a tremendous waste of time. <laughs> I mean, because, uh, I mean, it was always like, uh, I, you know, I always tell that story about how we were in his office and we had the reference to Jill Ireland and he goes, oh, that actress, she died of cancer and... You know, maybe we should refer to her character, his name, instead of the actress. And he said, there, you these books, these encyclopedias, you look could that up. look it up and find out what her name is. And Rob and I both had Leela Colomi. And he's like, right. And it was like the first time it was like. <laughs> first time you saw fear in the yeah. captain's <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, <laughs> what are these guys doing in my office? Oh, my God. Oh, my God, I let them in. Yeah. <laughs> I let them in. They're in the house. But, um, it was just, you know, and you never saw that with Leonard. You know, Leonard got, you know, people you know but but uh well up you know up until that part where he wrote the book saying i am not spock leave me alone but that was a brief <laughs> period like yeah. after star trek where he was trying not to get typecast yeah but he embraced the whole spock and felt that spock had a lot to say and he later ended, yeah later but chadner you know as much as he doesn't run from star trek anymore i think still doesn't quite get, he doesn't get why it. and you spent a lot of time with him on mm-hmm. the set in ticonderoga yeah. you you just there recently yes. and um uh, Trek's giving. You know what, what? What's the appeal to him of being on those sets? I mean, besides the paycheck, obviously it's more than that. You know, I, yeah, obviously he's getting paid for his appearance, but he wouldn't have come back just for the money. Um, I think he he does have sort of a visceral reaction to those sets. 
because yeah. he spent he did spend so much time there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he feels comfortable there, but he also likes the um, the closer connection with um, fans that really want to be there. Right. Because it you know it is a hike to get up there. Yeah, and it's sure. A little a little difficult to find it and spend time there. And cons are a mob. Yeah, and and cons are just a, a mass of people. Yeah. This is much smaller, and he gets to sort of uh, individually interact with people more. And I think that he he enjoys that more now than he ever has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he loves it up there. Uh, apparently, he used to spend time up uh, canoeing down the various lakes from uh, Montreal and down to New York and back up again. And he always was an outdoorsman, and yeah. I mean, I think that's a reason why at 88 years old he's so fit. Yeah, Hale and Hardy. Hale and Hardy, you know, because he loves the outdoors, you know, and the horseback riding and, yeah. and the canoeing. And, you know, even he said, you know, he, he was famous. He was on that Mutual of Omaha where he shot to... Uh, um, you know, with hunting, yeah, okay. and and now right. I, I I love the fact that he is appalled by you know when he was younger that he was a hunter and all that stuff, and he said he would never do that now. But right, that that was a I mean it was like an elk or something that he he I, uh, shot an elk. <laughs> okay, so a balance of terror, a great choice um, for you know a beloved. It was on our fifty one greatest Star Trek episodes of all time, deservedly so. It was certainly an essential episode for somebody trying to understand the appeal of Captain Kirk. You know, when your grandmother, or your mother says, well, what, "What is with that Star Trek show you like so much?" Here, we'll watch this. And, we'll and if you. my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Darren, yes, essential Mark. Captain James Tiberius Kirk. I could go into a big, long list of episodes. Like, let's say Mark might do. <laughs> but well, I'm not. Thursday Thursday pick, Darren? <laughs> <laughs> because Ashley Edward Miller is right in pointing out the tremendous benefit of Balance of Terror. But there are, there are others. I, also in the first season, I think... An immensely important episode for finding out what Kirk is made of and finding out what the uh, needs of command are, the enemy within. Mm. You can't hurt me. You can't kill me. You understand? I'm part of you. You need me. I need you. I don't need you. Where the character of Kirk is split into two halves the good Kirk and the bad Kirk. And they both have essential uh, traits that are necessary to work together to make the, the powerful Captain Kirk. And neither of them can survive without each other. And I think it's uh, not only it's an a, a interesting sort of look into the human psyche as, as to our, you know, quote, negative traits are sort of an inherent... Uh, part of us, and they need to be integrated and and monitored by the good half, mm-hmm. you know. And the good half needs to be strengthened by the bad half. And uh, it's, I I love the episode. It's it's a little dodgy as to who is scratched on the face and who is not. It's uh, it switches a little bit, uh, but uh, it also gives an amazing uh, uh, performance of uh, Shatner. As the bad Kirk screaming out his lungs, uh, "Where's not, the brandy?" I said, "Give me the brandy." <laughs> it, it's so it's so good, and uh, you know, watching You're clunky, <laughs> watching watching him, you know, uh, as the good Kirk, somebody make the decision. It's a little over the top, but I love it. Yeah, that's a great that's a great example, and it really goes to the heart of who that character is. You know that he needs both his. Um, sensitive and, and, and thoughtful side yeah. and also the military man and right. the tough you know guy who makes the tough decisions and yeah. uh, the alpha male and the beta male he needs he needs yeah the beta five and the right. alpha male yeah <laughs> so that's a that's a great uh, thing and well, again there's an, a great scene with uh, McCoy explaining this to, to Kirk 
to the good Kirk, uh, when he says, you see, he was afraid and you weren't. So the, the bad Kirk was afraid because he had fear in his heart and fear was what was driving his his aggressiveness. Right. Fear is a mind killer. It's the little death. It, <laughs> Yes, Weirdly, yes, we've so all been orgasm. through that Isn't before. That <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great choice uh, and, a, and a great episode, obviously, and uh, a fabulous performance. I mean, we talk about, you know, Shatner uh, won the Emmy twice, um, and uh, he he's fearless as an actor, so he'll throw himself into these, you know, so whether it's playing a woman in Turnabout Intruder who's possessed his body or um, in Enemy Within where he has to play... Um, two sides of the same coin, the good Kirk and the bad Kirk. I mean, it's just, uh, he's so interesting to watch. And I think that's why even the depths of the third season and the worst episodes, Star Trek is so watchable because he's always watchable. He's always doing something interesting. Even in the Paradise Syndrome. Yes. Where he has very long sideburns. Very long sideburns. I was always unsettled by the sideburn era. Honestly, I just, I just, I found them troubling. Can I, can I say there's something interesting about that? You mentioned the sideburns. (laughs) I Uh, cannot wait. No, no, no. This is this interesting. Okay. Gene Roddenberry had a memo, um, when the show before the show went into production, that in the future he he wanted the sideburns cut a certain way Mm -hmm. that would sort of. So it wasn't mired in the 60s. Right. You know, it wasn't mired in a certain time. So he, he would have the sideburns cut short and with a little, with a little sort point. of diagonal right. point yeah. that would give it something unique. You know, that wouldn't you know, place, streamlined like the future. That wouldn't date it the way like Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford's hair and, right. and Star Wars in the 77 looks. Very forward thinking, you know, typical of sort of, you know, Gene really giving a lot of thought to this world. To the minutiae. Yeah. And the cast hated it, but they had to do it. Right. When Gene left in the third season and Fred Freiberger took over, those ultimatums about the sideburns and all, all went out the window. They were able to do whatever they wanted. The hairdresser and hairstylist didn't have to do the sideburns that way anymore. And if you look at the third season, which is clearly, even if you didn't know they were third season, you could tell from looking at them, it is the, the most dated looking. Mm-hmm. They don't, it does not look as good as 66 and 67. It doesn't. It looks like 1969. Right. You know, in 68. And a lot of that has to do with the hair and a lot of it has to do with the costume. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we and talked about yeah. you know, lighting and, you know, we talked about the way to Eden where the wardrobe was like straight out of the flower power. Right. Um, and all of a sudden, this whole thoughtfulness that Gene brought to it about this not being contemporary and about really trying to anticipate the future or just take it out of the 60s, which made the show timeless, which is why it still holds up when you're watching it today as opposed to a lot of shows that were made in the 60s that don't hold up. Um, it was, it was, it's just, an, it, it's another one of those little things that Gene did that, that showed just how brilliant he really was. Yeah. You're not going to get an argument from me, Mr. Altman. And then he would go home and have nude swimming parties. But uh, that's you know, all. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing at all wrong with that. Um, okay. So that was The Enemy Within. I guess we come to me for my pick. Well, I I guess we're mired here in the, stuck in the early first season. As much as I want to get away from early first season, to me, uh, Arena is a definitive Kirk story. Um, No, I won't kill him. Do you hear? You'll have to get your entertainment someplace else. You're a Metron. Does my appearance surprise you, Captain? You seem more like a boy. I am approximately 1,500 of your Earth years old. You surprise me, Captain. How? By sparing your helpless enemy, who surely would have destroyed you. You demonstrated the advanced trait of mercy. Something we hardly expected. We feel that there may be hope for your kind. Therefore, you will not be destroyed. It would not be civilized. What happened to the Gorn? I sent him back to his ship. If you like, 
I shall destroy him for you. No, that won't be necessary. We can talk. Maybe reach an agreement. Very good, Captain. There is hope for you. Perhaps in several thousand years, your people and mine shall meet to reach an agreement. You are still half savage. But there is hope. We will contact you when we are ready. You know, it starts, he's jingoistic. They've destroyed this outpost. He's, um, you know, he's out for blood right. against these, these Gorn. Um, you know, then he's on a planet where he's physically overmatched by this reptilian opponent. This is your opponent speaking. <laughs> this is Ted Cassidy speaking. <laughs> you, you rang. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then, of course, at the end, after, you know, this, this, the, 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 gotten this close to being killed, after he uses ingenuity to, to uh, create, use gunpowder. He has reasoned it out. He's reasoned it out. Uh, he then refuses to kill uh, his enemy because right. he realizes there's more to the story than, you know, just a simple incursion into Federation space. I mean, this is, to me, it's Kirk in a bottle. You know, in that episode, it's everything. It's all the the things I love about Kirk, and right. ultimately, you know, his cerebral. Um, you know, and, he's and, a man of action who can think, who has yeah. a conscience, who right. can think. He's a man of action who can think, and I love that about the character. It's something that's in short supply today, and you know, he could still be macho, and he still could be charming, and could be flirty. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, he he almost always does the right thing, except in a private little war. Where <laughs> he gives the weapons to his old friend uh, to fight the Klingons. Tyree. 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 Yeah, and and uh, I don't know what went on with his Tyree's wife and Kirk. I'm not sure something was going on with Nona there. Uh, you know, I would be disappointed if something didn't. Not yeah. not his finest moment. Not his finest moment. But uh, he was uh, drugged. He was. He was drugged. Helpless. Yeah. The, the Mako route. Yes. Which is uh, you know now available on eBay. Um, <laughs> I'd like some Mako. We should make the Mako route illegal. Um, okay. So that was Arena. I just love Arena. Isn't it great? No, I love Arena. It's uh, it's wonderful. And it's kind of cool because you've got the entire crew watching a Star Trek episode. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's with coverage, which is the crazy with part. With coverage. Yeah. I know somebody, they did the, 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 not the Melkotians. The, the Metrons. Uh, the Metrons. The Metrons are great directors. Yeah. yeah really they don't are. like Marvel movies either, but they are really great at like knowing when to zoom and when to punch <laughs> in. And they have insane. dissolves and everything. <laughs> uh, 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 we are the Metrons. <laughs> there is hope for you, Captain. <laughs> Comic book movies are not real cinema. <laughs> I I I like it just because there are some points where you can see that he's he's wearing uh black wrestling shoes. When he's oh, really? outside. Yeah. Oh, I it, it's that. it's not the it's not the leather boots, they're black wrestling shoes so he can run across these rocks yeah. and not slip and kill himself. You know, it's so funny you say that because I'm sure we've all been up to Vesca. You've been to Vesca. I was Rock just there times. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, It's I, really I hard to there. run on those. It's really hard. Have you? Have I've you, never been. You've never been to Vesca. Yeah. We went for Father's Day one year. It was the best. <laughs> it was the best. It's a lot of fun. It's, okay. uh, you know, it's just it's just within what they used to call the... Uh, the uh, zone? The, the 30 miles zone. Right. Yeah. TMZ. Right. Um, and that is the area where... The where producers can have you work without having to pay for an overnight. Right. It's centered on Paramount, right? It's no. It, no. It, it was centered on uh, on Hollywood and Vine, where the SAG office was. Yeah. It was oh, within okay. it, within the uh, the a certain radius of the SAG offices, um, and so yeah, so you could travel anywhere within the zone and didn't have to pay extra or uh, uh, to go outside the zone. Yeah. Um. So it was just made inside the yeah. zone. Okay. And, and that's why. All the westerns were shot there. That's why so many TV shows went there, and that's why Star Trek. Because it was there. an alien planet inside the zone, and there's not a ton of locations. But that's why you constantly went back to Bronson Canyons, Vasquez yep. Rocks, because it was something close. Plus, also it's expensive because you're moving all your production vehicles out. Right. Um, you know, trailers, um, um, grip truck, electric, all that stuff. So you know, going on location was always challenging, which is why you wanted to. You know, there, there was always that push and pull with the network. Um, budgetarily, Bob Justman and everybody, it made more sense to stay on the standing sets. Sure. And the network always wanted more planet shows. You know, they wanted to be on location more. It's the eternal struggle between the network and 
you know, the producers. And the funny thing is they, they would probably, they would usually spend a day at the location. They would start very early when the sun came up and they would be done by the time the sun went down. But you can tell that there are some shots in the show that are lit with studio lights and they're still there, but they're lit with studio lights and they look slightly different than sunlight. Because the sun was going mm-hmm. down. Because yeah. the sun was down yeah, and they yeah. were losing the light. So they had yeah. to get these shots to finish the day. And it's it, it's a wonderful sort of little peek into TV production, at least the way it was then. Yeah. No. Well, it's I. I find it still the same way now. Yeah. Where, where you you're basically you know have daylight and you're losing the light and the lights changing and you you're bringing in lights and just trying to match. And they it. have to move incredibly fast to get all the footage. Because you don't have the luxury of coming back the next day. Right. You know, you're you're there for one day and you're permitted and yep. you're budgeted and you can't just come back. And there's probably a show coming in tomorrow, so you can't. Do it. I I, um, I have to say, you know, we've talked about the Deep Space Nine documentary a couple of times on the show. Mm-hmm. There's a really great deleted scene on that where they talk about the making of Deep Space Nine's Rocks and Shoals. Right. Great episode. One of my favorite, yours too, yeah. one of our favorite episodes, um, super benefited from location uh, work. I had no idea, apparently, they asked one of the ADs, um, hardest show, said, unquestionably Rocks and Shoals. Now, that took me by surprise. I'm like, why was Rocks and Shoals, you know, the the, 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 the hard... Well, apparently, they went, and it was the hottest day of the mm-hmm. year, so they're in a quarry or, you know, uh, um, um, you know, 100 degrees, and all the Jem'Hadar are in these rubber mm. things. They said they had people passing out left and right. They could only be in them for, you know, literally minutes before they would pass out. Because they're rubber masks, they would keep all the heat in. People would be completely dehydrated, and these big, tough stuntmen. They said it was absolutely brutal. And at one time, somebody dropped their walkie in the lake, and it, which is fascinating because I think it's one of the best episodes. But it's the whole Jaws thing. Well, it's like the, sometimes the toughest things to make are, are the, the best. most effective because you have to make split-second decisions to get everything done. Yeah, and one of my uh, my one of my very very good friends was a PA on Deep Space Nine when they were shooting that episode. And um, it was so hot that he uh, was afflicted with Bell's palsy. Oh, my God. And, like, lost, like, feeling in half of his face for weeks because he had basically, like, a heat stroke. I mean, it was bananas. Awesome. I'm looking at you, Phil. Yeah. (laughs) But it was just, I mean, I remember looking at him. It was like, hey, you look just like Captain Pike. You know? (laughs) You know what? I, I, I learned that myself. You never... Always shoot drink the in, water. Uh, never shoot. Oh, I always drink the water. But never shoot in a quarry during the day. It, I mean, we had this on our show where we were shooting in the quarry, and it was so hot. And then you know we're, we're rushing to you know the, we're losing the light, and then it started raining, and then we're. Then Ben Cross gets bit by a mosquito. And I'm like, I, but I didn't know. I'm like, Ben's like this, and I'm like, oh my god, what happened to Ben? Is Ben okay? Yeah, he got bit by a bug. <laughs> and oh, it was man. like I swallowed a bug, but um, <laughs> and and it was just. But I'm like, and it was like a hundred something degrees, and it was just like I'm never writing a scene for a freaking daytime exterior on an alien planet where we're gonna shoot in a quarry ever again because it was just awful. awful. That's why you always have to start the day by shooting plates. Yeah, of the background, right. so you can drop everybody in later yep. on. Absolutely, absolutely. But. Um, yeah, Rena's fantastic, and it, it 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 really more than anything I think um, uh, made uh, uh, Vasquez Rocks this icon synonymous. With you know, that. I mean, it's been it was in things before, it was in things after, but nobody's talking about the Mission Impossible episode or you know <laughs> this stuff. I mean, it's why you could get away with like in Galaxy Quest or something. You see Vasquez Rocks, and everybody's yeah. like, ah, of course, um, and uh, you know, even in. Star Trek 2009, J.J. talked about the fact that, you know, having Vulcan be Vasquez Rocks was an homage. Um, but sure. uh, <laughs> sure. we're not going to go there again. Um, so uh, it really uh, just arena is a, a perfect uh, kind of uh, Kirk episode. If and, you do say so yourself. What? Since arena? it was your pick. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, indeed. And, you know, but it also is another one of those episodes that sort of gets my ire up when people are like, oh, you know, monsters, silly monsters and Star Trek with the rubber guys in rubber yeah. suits. And, you know, it's like, well, you know what? It was 1966. Yeah. What do you want? And, do? you know, again, how many shows are people watching from 1966 that hold up? And it's still, it's a wildly imaginative design. Know, and was, I find it more realistic than a bunch of CG, than cheap CG. It was even better than the other monster shows that were on at the time. Yes. You know, it's way better 
better than any of the creatures that were on Twilight Zone. It's mm-hmm. way better than any of the stuff that was on Outer Limits, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. even though it was the same people doing it. Yeah. The quality was way better on Star Trek. You know what I, I watched the other day? I was uh, the Outer Limits just came on, the new remasters on um, Amazon Prime, and I watched Demon with a Glass Hand. Um, doesn't hold up. Really? Didn't, 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 didn't hold up. I, I remember it being better. There was there were things about it I liked, um, but uh, you talk about silly. I mean, the aliens are just guys with like eyeshadow, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and stockings, you know, and it's. Well. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, Ashley, I don't know. Ask Ed Wood. I don't want to ask Ed Wood. Why are you remaking it, or are you just? Oh are, no, 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 no. Are, are you, no, I was just immediately you have to get credit when you did from... Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles, right. based no. on Demon with a Glass Hand. Right. Um, oh my God. Oh, the conversations we had about that. No, I was just thinking about uh, Plan Nine and just kind of. It's amazing to me that Harlan was able to win that. Mm. If Har- right. I oh, mean, the, oh yeah, with the, the yeah. It, I guess yeah. it was really because Cameron made the mistake of saying that it was right. a huge inspiration right. because, you know, watching that episode. It's not. It's not yeah. a remotely Terminator. Yeah. I mean, if, if every time somebody went back in time to change the past, it, you know, that's not a copyrightable Harlan idea. Harlan Ellison gets his wings. Well, you see. <laughs> or his residuals. <laughs> or his residuals. <laughs> that's what I wanted the latest uh, Terminator movie to be about. They go back in time to stop Harlan Ellison from writing those episodes. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things I wanted that movie to be about. Uh, I didn't see it. <laughs> I, 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 did you bo- both see Dark Fury? Yep. Dark yes. Fury Road? Dark Fury Road. You don't sound like either of you are fans. I saw it. I, I will say this, that I just saw this weekend uh, Ford v. Ferrari, and it is the best movie about the relationship between humans and machines that I have seen all year. Yeah, really? I thought the Quester tapes. Is that is that the sequel to, to uh, uh, Cars from Pixar? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to is. see that one. You know, uh, it's funny. Can I just say something? When we were doing 430 Movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles week, none of us talked about the Cars movies or the Planes movies. Because they're animated and they're not real. No, that's only for Starship Smackdown. <laughs> oh, that's right. Animation I, counts for four three. I actually thought about talking about cars, but then I because they're not else. really cars; they're beings, right? And you don't see people riding in them. I know. I kind of like Cars too because it's like a James Bond movie. It really is. And you have Finn <laughs> McMissile. You have Michael Caine as Finn McMissile. It's the ultimate babysitter. You can just start that movie. Let your kids watch it. You walk in. You know, you've you're not bored when you're watching a segment of it. You walk out and it just it feels it's entertaining. All right. I don't know so how more essential, so, Kirk. Right. <laughs> there was that time that he was talking to the sentient cars. Um, the sentient. I think it was a gold key comic, actually. Probably. Uh, okay. I I have to I have to say that I think um, bringing Kirk into the modern age, quote unquote, into the eighties, um, mm. that uh, Star Trek the motion picture is very important for the Kirk character, mm. because it shows us. Uh, how miserable he is at the beginning. Mm. It shows us how unhappy with he job. is with his desk job and how much he wanted command of a starship again. Mm-hmm. Well, sir, it looks like he got his way um, because he grows back into his old job so nicely and you can see it's like you know a, a, a child on Christmas morning when uh, they launch the ship and he's, you know, fidgeting in his chair, and he's very excited. And you can see him uh, as uh, McCoy comes aboard; he gets a little, a little more confident. As when Spock comes aboard and sort of starts to get into the rhythm of things again, he is, you know, the full strength of Kirk. And when he is talking to the Ilea probe, you can see the old master at it again, talking to this machine and just barely having it shut down right then. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it's so good, and it's so subtle. It's an amazing Shatner performance that doesn't go um, heralded much because you're too busy looking at other stuff in the movie. But watching Shatner go through that film and going through major sort of character changes as as the show goes, it's pretty amazing. We've we've talked about this before, and I completely agree with you. You know, it's an underappreciated performance. It was a lot of criticism of the performances being wooden in that movie, and it's I just think he's very reflective. Yeah, and I think he's having a tough time. Yeah, and I I think he the also is stung. Is. Yeah, yeah, and I think he he's stung by the, the the criticism that you use this emergency to get back your command. Right, which he did. He mm-hmm. did clearly. He did. 
it's not because he thinks he can do a better job. It's because he, it was a chance for him to have the captaincy right. back. Right. You yeah, know, it was it was interesting that at the beginning of the movie, he's a bit of a martinet. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like he's really not that far removed from Captain Styles in Star right. Trek three. He's That's going correct. through the motions. That's right. You know, it's like he might as well have a swagger stick. Yeah. But even though you can see his his love and affection for the Enterprise, and I loved how they characterized and just really bothered to to dramatize the fact that the Enterprise had moved on a little bit without him, that he didn't right. know which way to right. go to find things. Um and I thought that his his journey through that movie was really great. Like and I it's one of the things I, I most appreciate about that film. It's interesting. I think Star Trek II kind of covers that ground again a bit. And I think in a lot of ways more effectively, but maybe because it's going at it differently because, right. um, you know, in uh, in the motion picture- It's, it's, it's spelling it out. Right. It's in, Well, in, in two. In, in two, it's really about, I think, age, right? Yeah. And in the motion picture, it's about his- where he is in his, his decision. life, his right. decisions in his life, and so it's an it's, there, there, it's an interesting one and two punch, right? I think, right? I but you can watch those two movies together and get, I think, a really a full picture, a full picture of him. Yeah, look, I, I I agree. I mean, I think there's a melancholy there, and then ultimately him taking command, and I think it validates his decision because I think honestly, Kirk is probably the only one who could have prevailed against Viger at that point, you know, putting it all in. Now, obviously, with Spock's help, right. because, you know, the, cluing him into the fact that, you know, Viger is a baby, I suggest you treat, it, right. treat him as such. You know, what do you suggest we do? Spank it? Um, I mean, <laughs> well. you know, also people that say, uh, uh, you know, it's not a funny movie. There's a lot of funny There's stuff. There's a lot of funny things. There's a lot of humor in there. I mean, it's just, you know, the problem is these criticisms become regarded as conventional wisdom, and everyone parrots the same thing, motionless picture, all that stuff. And unfortunately, yeah. it started with Nimoy. Mm. Started with Nimoy after that uh, uh, December sixth uh, premiere in right. Washington D.C. Uh, the first interviews he was doing was, "Well, it's very disappointing," you know. Really? <laughs> Thanks, Leonard. <laughs> We're here, you know, opening weekend, and uh, you know, because he didn't see his his good Spock scenes in it. Right. Yeah. 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 That had been excised out because they had no choice. There was no time. There's no time. Um, but, no uh, time for Spock. You know, and uh, easy. You know, easy reviewers uh, reviewed it easily by saying, "Well, it's very you know long and drawn out and uh, a very slow moving." Uh, you know, the kind ones said deliberately paced. Um, but uh, there's a lot going on in it, and just take a look for crying out loud. And then he's you know Kirk's happy to have the center seat again at the at the end. Of course. Um, but yeah, I mean you know I would say a counterpoint to that uh, that uh, movie is um, where where Shatner is very um, effusive to say the least. This piece of the action. Now look, Franco, we're taking over the uh, whole ball of wax, and you cooperate with us, and uh, maybe we'll cut you in for a piece of the action. A minuscule, a very small piece. How much is that? That's, um, we'll figure it out later. Thought you guys had laws. No interference. Who's interfering? We're taking over. Check. Right. The, uh, planet is being taken over by the Federation, but we don't want to come in here and, uh, use our muscle. You know what I mean? Uh, that ain't, uh, subtle. So what we do is we... We help one guy take over the planet. He pulls the strings, and then we pull his. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know where um, he rolls with the punches. Sigma Myosha has modern uh, patterned itself on gangster culture from the 1920s, and uh, Kirk is thrown off his game. He mm-hmm. doesn't know the jargon, the lingo, right. and uh, by the end, uh, he's in complete uh, dominating yeah. the society. He's, and he invents a card game. He invents Fizzbin, <laughs> which is maybe one of the funniest scenes in the history of Star Trek. It's pretty funny. And um, Oh, look at you. <laughs> How lucky you are. <laughs> How wonderful for you. And, you know, I don't think we would have, you know, wanted to put Chatner as the star of a comedy movie had we not, you know, because, again, when we cast him at Free Enterprise, he wasn't renowned for his comedy, you know, because we knew how funny he was yeah. from those Star Trek episodes like Piece of the Action and, and Tribbles. Well, and, the, and the Saturday Night Live. And, of course, the Saturday yeah. Night Live. And yeah. he's funny in Star Trek Four. I know that, you know, it's like you know, Star yeah, Trek Four, really the good. whales, but I thought he was really yeah, good. I really love Italian. Really. And so do you. Yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Piece of the Action is really funny. Um, he's pizza, great. Pizza the Action. And we also, <laughs> and we also see... Um, 
you know, just a really great banter and effortless banter. See that you, you talk about the pizza scene, but think about the scene in the car. I believe it's called the clutch, sir. Right. And he's trying mm-hmm. to drive the clutch, and he says that doesn't seem forced. No. Where in four, everything seems. Forced. You're an excellent starship commander, but as a taxi driver, you, you know, I mean, it's very, very funny stuff. And uh, you know, a piece of action doesn't have the heft of some of Star Trek's best episodes, but you know, pound for pound, to me, it's one of the most singularly enjoyable episodes of Star Trek. Penny on the operator. <laughs> Who are you calling a penny on? I'm Maybe calling you a penny on the And that you know, another episode I would point out is um, uh, Bread and Circuses. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, which is another absolutely. episode that doesn't get the love that it deserves. And there's deserves. a lot of subtlety in that one too that just goes right by if you don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the you know, right after his uh, his scene with the proconsul, and uh, he's uh, left alone in the chambers, and there's Drusilla, the uh, serving wench, um, there to take care of his every need. And uh, we pan up to the uh, to the oil lamp, and uh, then, and then uh, we come back down. As we he puts come his back boots down. On. He's, yeah, basically. Um, but uh, he he gets taken back to the cell, and uh, McCoy asks Jim, "How are you?" They uh, throw me a few curves, <laughs> <laughs> and it's hilarious, yeah, and yeah. it just goes right by without you noticing it. But it's oh. interesting because Mericus, the first citizen, yes. you know, he was a failure. He couldn't right. a- achieve what. Captain Kirk did, but through him we get to realize what an amazing achievement it is to be a starship, a starship commander, captain, a very special kind of man. Yes. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and ultimately the fact that he makes the sacrifice, you know, he 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 comes back to the side of the angels, yeah. you know, basically because of Shatner, because he right. admires him and he right. realizes, you know, and it, it's only he had one choice to uh, redeem himself. And I think that episode takes on a whole different meaning for those of us now. Uh, we we work in television, mm-hmm. so we have a whole new appreciation <laughs> for the uh, plot of uh, Bread and Circuses, which is all about the media and uh, how it, uh, you know, well, how it's it's. I think um, like uh, moments, or at least episodes that that I think. Uh, helped establish iconic uh, Kirk traits or things like Return of the Archons. The first time I think that he talked a computer into destroying mm-hmm. yeah, itself yeah, with yeah, Landry. Yeah, for sure. Or a taste of Armageddon. I mean, Absolutely. holy crap, right? Like yeah. to me, that's like you know, that's the thing that's just that is that is truly essential. He Kirk stops he, an interplanetary war with the flick of a switch. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, just like just daring those people to actually destroy each other for real. Yeah. I mean, the cojones on that guy yeah. and, and just like the, the way that he cut the Gordian knot that I think was just amazing. Yeah, that's it's it's great. And he's you know, he's got a wonderful uh, among others uh, Kirk speech in there. Uh, just admitting that we're a killer species, but that we're not going to kill. I will not kill yeah. today. today. Yeah. yeah, it's it's, it's great. We've talked at length about A Taste of Armageddon, so I'm not going to belabor right. the point now. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's a, just a spectacular episode and a great episode for Captain Kirk, yeah. One thing that uh, people, it's it's not on a lot of people's uh, top ten lists, but Conscience of the King mm-hmm. gives us some important backstory to the character of Captain Kirk and what his background was, mm. that he was on... Uh, uh, Forgive me, I forget the planet's name. Because we're getting older. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was the planet? I uh, don't remember. It was Caridian, and it was on, and it was Kodos the Executioner. Kodos, uh, yeah. And uh, it uh, was... Uh, yeah, Governor Kodos of this... Tarsus uh, something. Tarsus IV. Tarsus IV. That's what it is. Tarsus Thank IV, you. Yeah. Tarsus IV, and uh, the governor, uh, They uh, there are no um, shipments of uh, supplies and uh, food and... He has to make a horrible decision to, you know, much like Thanos, to snap his fingers and uh, uh, execute half of the population so that the other half will live. Um, And Kirk, as a young man, went through this. And it kind of shows his, you know, at least in the television timeline, um, it shows the breadth of his experience yes. and how it started very early. Very where, dark past. Yeah, a very dark past. So I think it's it's sort of interesting to to think about that when we see him, you know, making these, you know, sometimes equally dangerous decisions himself later mm-hmm. on. Well, I think if you're going to look at his past, another key episode would be Shore Leave because, of course— we find out about Finnegan. you know how he was tormented by Finnegan in the academy, right, right. and uh, my own personal devil. <laughs> Finnegan. 
So he wasn't always, you know, in the academy. It seems like you know he was he was bullied and 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 the victim of pranks and you know that 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 strengthened him. It made him, right. uh, you know, and now he could finally confront his arch nemesis. Right. And it takes such glee in doing it. Right. Um, and in reuniting with Ruth. And obviously, all of his ex-girlfriends still like him, except one. But she right, was yes. crazy anyway. She was That's so right. crazy. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know about Lenore Caridian liking him very much either. Yeah, but she wasn't an ex-girlfriend. That's true. Well, that's maybe she, she was. Like she her. was. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. just met him. Yeah, that's true. But, but I mean, you know, we're just talking about Kirk's pain. Yes. Right. Either man and hides the secret pain. pain. He needs his pain. He does. Now learn something about yourself. No, I refuse. Jim, try to be open about this. About what? I've made the wrong choices in my life. I turned left when I should have turned right. I know what my weaknesses are. I don't need Cyborg to take me on a tour of them. If you'd just unbend at all. And be brainwashed by this con man. I was wrong. This con man took away my pain. Damn it, Bones, you're a doctor. You know that pain and guilt can't be taken away with a wave of a magic wand. They're the things we carry with us, the things that make us who we are. If we lose them, we lose ourselves. I don't want my pain taken away. I need my pain. Um, you know, he doesn't need us to tell him he turned left when he should have turned right. Uh, I know you're right about that. And, uh, of course, you know, I'm I'm speaking about, I think, one of our favorites, uh, Star Trek V. Much maligned. Interesting. But, Absolutely. Like, Very interesting. But I think in as a story about Kirk in the movies, look, I mean, it is it is impossible to argue with Star Trek II as a, as a great Kirk story. But I, like, I love five as a Kirk story. I, I love like the Even way- Even though the that, log line is Captain Kirk goes up against God and wins. Yeah, yeah it still <laughs> works, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it's just, it's everything that you that you love about him, but it, it takes the time to, to really let him live inside his relationship with his with his friends, right? And right. kind of, and see how he relates to them. And it and it challenges him. And it's like, there are sure, there are, there are many things about that film that, that you know, production-wise, it don't work. There are things in the story that we would probably go, and we've talked about this a lot. Sure. But, but I love that scene with Cybok. That is like one of my favorite Captain Kirk scenes. It's one of my favorite Kirk speeches. A great, you know, thing that didn't really get plumbed as much was just his fear. I would always die alone, alone. Yeah, because right. he's not married. He doesn't have kids. Right. You know, um, and at least none that he. Admits okay, to. David. Well. Uh, yeah. So, but at the time, he. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. like at the end of okay. Star Trek Six. I knew that. He wasn't going to die. So right. it's because he wasn't alone. So it, it's kind of you know that's kind of interesting. It's very you know reflective, and um, uh, you know because he made a choice that his love was the Enterprise, and mm-hmm. then you know ultimately at some point he would have to give her up again, like he did in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. But at some point he's going to get too old or whatever, and I mean that's why generations, if it hadn't been played as a joke. Uh, you know, could have been really uh, moving. You know, right. the fact mm-hmm. that Chatner, you know, is, is is giving up, you know, command of the Enterprise to uh, 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 the guy from Succession, Alan Ruck, right? Um, or you know, who always plays a clown. Cameron, 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 Cameron from Ferris Bueller. Yeah, uh, I don't know if this episode qualifies essential, Kirk, but there's certainly, I think, an essential scene in the Tholian web, oh, yeah. uh, where Kirk leaves behind the. The message. The, the message, message for uh, Spock and McCoy, and he you understands two them so need each other. perfectly. Right. And he says, you know, um, it seems like perfectly a little too on the nose for the occasion, but uh, that he anticipates that uh, uh, Spock and McCoy will be at odds and mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and sort of tries to uh, referee that fight even right. from the grave. And it's a really nice moment in an episode full of nice moments. But it's not really a Kirk episode because he just floats around going, ooh. Yeah. We'd all <laughs> like to see Captain Kirk. Shows up in her's bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like, you know, even in a a terrible episode like the Cloudminders. I said, dig! (laughs) Um, You know, because he goes full, full... Full crazy man in that one because he's getting affected by the Zenite gas. But even the way that he deals with, um, he's just when he has to deal with these mealy mouth diplomats that he can't stand. You can see the simmering hatred for Nils Barrow, Nils Barrow, and and you see for um, uh, you know Jeff Corey in right. cloud, and he's just about to lose it, but he knows. He's suppressing he it. Yeah. He has to deal with them, be diplomatic, and that's always fun. Right. I mean, it's the same thing in 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 uh, Deadly Years. You right. know, now you see what a starship captain can do. You know. And this is the captain. I want full emergency power. 
I want everything within about two minutes. I want the warp drive engines on full standby. Kirk up. Open up a special channel to start big command. Code two. But Captain, code... That's an order, Lieutenant. Code two. Yes, Captain. Code two. Message. From Enterprise to Starfleet Command II. I've inadvertently encroached upon Romulan neutral zone, surrounded and under heavy Romulan attack. Escape impossible, shields failing. Will implement the struct order using Cobramite device recently installed. Since this will result in the destruction of the Enterprise and all matter within a 200,000 kilometer diameter and establish a corresponding dead zone, all Federation ships will avoid this area for the next four solar years. Explosion will take place in one minute. Kirk, commanding Enterprise, out. Mr. Seward, course 188 degrees, mark 14. Speed, warp factor 8. Stand by. Stand by, Robinson's giving ground, Captain. Obviously, they tapped in as you expected them to. A logical assumption, Mrs. Brock. Are they still retreating? Yes, sir. Good. All hands. Stand by. Um, where he has that great moment in Deadly Years, where he strides on the bridge when his youthful vigor is, you know, and he, and 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 uh, does the whole speech about Code Two. Right. Right. Um, Isn't it so weird, many by great the moments way, that, the, that the old versions of of those characters in the Deadly Years look nothing like them, like, really old, and they got really old. It's yeah, it's a little unsettling. Well, although McCoy in uh, Encounter at Farpoint looks like he did in the Deadly Years. Yes, bit, but not yeah. like he did in actual in real life. life. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, right. it's interesting. Well, this is fascinating. Any <laughs> any final thoughts on uh, essential Captain Kirk? I I think that uh, pretty much the great thing about original series is that pretty much every episode has an important thing about the characters in it, mm-hmm. and right. especially Kirk, because the show was about though. Captain Kirk. He yeah. was the star of the show. That's right. He was the star of a ship captain. Right. In a way that has never been true about any Star Trek show since. since. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, you know, it was the last star vehicle, mm-hmm. and uh, you really got to know who your stars were. That's you right. If you to... want to see Star Trek Kirk, watch the original series. Yeah. Right. Isn't... It's true. It's great. So are we, are, so we going to do Star Trek, the essential Cisco? We're going to do the essential Janeway? We're going to do those? Both episodes. In one. The essential Archer? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The essential Jason Isaac? Not without a special guest. Yeah, I think we, we <laughs> need to bring in reinforcements for those. Uh, well, not for, for Cisco. We could do Cisco. Yeah, sure. We do Cisco. I'll we'll have to have uh, uh, Bobby Wolf back. Yeah. To do that one or somebody else. I don't know. It'd be fun. Um, anyway. Many such journeys are possible. Indeed. Well, we'll have to see. Let's see. You know, this is a good chance for the audience to weigh in. If you find these essential episodes worthwhile. Uh, <laughs> when, we, when we talk about the <laughs> we subject. Act, we actually talk about the subject exactly as opposed to uh, ramble on about But other there are definitely essential Spock episodes, things. too. There are true. That's true. Oh, we could do the essential Spock. I believe I just said that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, you know, we should get back for that. David Goodman, because he just he wrote that biography of That's Spock. Right. That's right. Yeah, he's not too busy. We should. He, I think he may think he may be. Yeah. He's Orville season three, and he has an election. Uh, right. I mean, uh, a negotiation to do. So I don't know, but I'd love to get him back to talk about. Um, uh, talk Mr. About Spock, Mr. Spock, <laughs> the essential Spock. So and of course you know with Spock also he did you know unification and the, the movies and mm-hmm. there's so much there's so much to talk about so be 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 interesting good okay well listen uh, thank you for joining us for Inglorious Trexperts if you're a fan of this podcast you may like to uh, check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like the 4:30 Movie where we curate a fantasy theme weeks of classic movies every Friday and uh, best movies never made every other Monday. And uh, you can watch our video podcasts of all your favorite Electric Surge uh, podcasts on Electric Now, which streams on Stir, Zumo, and Distro TV. So you can download those apps wherever you, uh, whatever app store you use, and uh, check us out on the Electric uh, Now channel. And there'll soon be an Electric Now app, uh, which uh, which will give you a chance to uh, watch all your favorite Electric Surge podcasts on demand, live on demand, and you'll be able to see us. I demand it. I demand it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's really funny. We should get Samuel Cogley, attorney at law, to uh, promote the Electric Now app. I demand it. Okay. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And uh, we'd love to uh, love to hear from you. Um, five stars is always a good thing. It brings people to the show, lets them know that this is a Star Trek podcast worth listening to, or in the case of the Electric Now app, watching. Indeed. So check us out. And um, finally, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter. Uh, what's the Essential Kirk episode we missed? Uh, I don't know that you, you missed one. But I'm going to second with the Ashley, you know, Star Trek Five because I worked on that. You know, he was mm-hmm. there. The Essential Kirk was there in the director. directing in the director's chair. Was he in the mix with you? He sure was. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He came in. He had a lot of interesting insights into sound. Yeah, I mean, like you know, he had his, he had his. Uh, they had three mixers in those days, so it was dialogue, music, and effects. You mm-hmm. know, it was a lot of a lot of work to do. It was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Great Jerry Goldsmith score. Oh yeah, so awesome. That's really cool. So you know, uh, you know, Bill Bill's a bit of a celebrity over here, having worked on Star Trek Five. Pretty cool. Good pick. Uh, and uh, Natalie, I won't even ask. Nah. What's your favorite? What have you seen Chatner in that you like him in? I just watched Free Enterprise for the first time. Did you Whoa. really? Yeah. Oh, did you enjoy it? I loved it. it oh, fun. fantastic! Aww. Well, that's that's yeah. You know, I'll pay you off air. No, that's <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, so anyway, well, thank you, uh, thank you, Bill, thank you, Natalie, our producer, and of course Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. We'll look forward to uh, joining you all again next Saturday here on the Electric Surge Network uh, with. Um, where we'll be trekking gloriously, of course. I just can't get these. I, I mean, we do this every week. I have it written out. I've been doing it for, for, for not months. I've been doing it for over a year. You'd think yeah. by now I could do it by rote, that I would just be able to do the stinking, you know, a- outro. But thank goodness it's fresh every time. <laughs> exactly, which is why you should keep listening to the show till the very end, because you never know what new surprises will greet you while you're listening. Yes. Okay. Well, anyway, so um, keep on trekking ingloriously, of course. Shh. McClunky. <laughs> okay, engage. This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.